0: The reading today is from John chapter 11. Starting in verse 17. My brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews whom had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping What we're going to be talking about today is the compassionate saviour. Today we're going to look at three points of the person of Jesus. Firstly, his claim, his claim to be the resurrection and the life. And secondly, the fact that he is fully man as well as, of course, fully and divine God. And finally, the compassion that he has for you and me. But let us now pray for true understanding, indeed life-changing understanding of who our Lord Jesus really is. Our loving and gracious Father, we just thank you for your Son. We thank you for all that he is and all that he will be and always will be. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And may he guide us closely that we may really ponder, may ponder these things in our heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> chapter seven, uh, 11 verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. See, Jesus had been at the river Jordan where John was doing the baptism, and people had met him, heard him, and believed on him. And Bethany is around about a 50-kilometer walk from Bethany. It's certainly what would you call a brisk day's walk, wouldn't it? But he arrives and there is no rest to be had. He is immediately, uh, even called it accosted by Martha, claiming. And Martha has some needs, needs to talk, and has questions that she needs answered. We, of course, can't know for sure how strong Martha's faith may be at this point in her life, but she certainly has got the basics of the Christianity in order in her life. And she stated clearly in verse 27, she says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was coming into the world. So she knows that. She knows he is the Son of God. She isn't very, very, very much like, like, well, maybe most Christians today. And I include myself in this group. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that in our hearts, don't we? We know that he also died for our sins, as well as the fact that Jesus was resurrected on the third day and he's sitting at the right hand of God in heaven and he will return one day in the future to bring us home with him. And yet, with all that knowledge, do we, like Martha, lack a deeper understanding of what that really, really means? But let us follow the text as we have it. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, "You, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She's... Almost rebuking God. It's almost as telling Jesus that he's just late. He should have been there. He should have known he was needed. This is where we should maybe take a deep breath. Jesus has just arrived after a what I call a brisk walk, fifty kilometers given no time to rest, almost the same thing as it happened when he was feeding the 5,000 where he felt compassion for the people rather than having his own rest and quiet time. And now here with Martha, and it's the same compassion that he feels for her. Jesus, however, is also fully human and he certainly would have felt the pressure. In 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. He keeps his composure. He keeps his kindness. He shows compassion. He encourages her. Your brother will rise again. But Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, again, she states clearly that she understands. Still, she had wanted Lazarus to have been saved rather than die So Jesus tried to clarify to her exactly who he is, that she may understand. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. After Martha had pushed his promise and Lazarus will rise again, she simply just ignored it, that he had said, I am the resurrection and the life. Well, she is pushing that promise way down into the future, to the last day. Jesus then brings it all back to, to her here now, where he tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm here and I'm now. Wherever Jesus is, there is life. And he was there standing next to her. And he has just told her that Lazarus would live This is the same as what we will experience when Jesus physically returns next time. We will have life with him to the full. In the meantime, we have Jesus here with us in spirit, and we therefore also have spiritual life in us through him. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us, and we have received eternal life, even if not physically just yet. We're all dead in our transgressions, in our sins, but we've been brought to life through the Spirit. Jesus then continues to teach her and us. He says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. For you and I, well, we could paraphrase that, couldn't we? He who believes in me will spiritually live even though he is dead in our transgressions. And whoever spiritually lives and believes in me will never die. That is our current situation, spiritually. This is the best form of explanation the saying that we use the tension that we live in today. We have a life and we live in this tension. We are saved, but not yet, not fully. We are spiritually saved and fully so, but the physical resurrection is still to come future. The next words out of the mouth of Jesus are meant to heighten her faith and her understanding of Jesus. He simply asks her Do you believe this? Do you believe that He is the resurrection and the life? This is obviously not just a question for Martha, it is for all who profess to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The simple question brings out the issue of trust. Jesus has just told her and us that he is the resurrection and the life, alluding to the seriousness of the truth that is in that message. I don't think Martha really distrusted Jesus, I wouldn't even dare say that. But she also hasn't yet developed that full confidence in his deity and his power. Saying that, however, I'm not at all casting any doubt on her faith in Christ. Merely so the very human effect of her life and who she is. Of seeing is believing. That is what we live with, isn't it? When I see it, I'll believe it. And she has, Martha has, seen and witnessed many miracles. But see, this is different. This is in her personal life. This is not someone else. She has every right to feel a deep sorrow, having lost her beloved brother. But she also stands before the Christ, who is in himself, the way, the truth, and the life. And her sorrow has possibly overshadowed her ability to even listen to the words Jesus has just given her. And understanding the full meaning. So she answers him this way. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. At this stage, is it if that's the end of that? And she heads off. She's answered the question in her mind. And she's gone off. I'm going to bring this back to you and I, though, however. This is about you and us. With everything that's going on around us, and in the very midst of our own lives, we can still claim to know Jesus, to be the resurrection Lord. And we also know the assurance in our heart that one day we will be with him, and we will be completely restored and totally and utterly healthy. That doesn't change the fact that we want to be with our family here and now, which is what Martha wanted. Maybe Paul is the one that put this into a wonderful way that we can understand. In Philippians he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean full, fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. Back to to verse 28. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village where Martha had met him, but Jesus went to be with Mary in the house, comforting her. Notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, falling at his feet, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, by all counts, is in the same mind space that Mary, Martha's in. The focus is on what they had wanted rather than what was possible, the plans that Jesus had for Lazarus. It's also fairly certain that the emotional tension by now that is around this group of people is quite high. Here is Mary and Martha mourning and crying, saddened by the fact that they had wanted Jesus. They wanted him to have been there to save them from all this pain and sorrow. And then there's all this mass of Jews that are wailing and crying in support of their sisters. And not to forget the disciples. They are there too. Standing around, probably stunned of what's going on, and waiting, waiting to see what Jesus is going to do with this situation. This is different. It would have been an extremely tense time. Maybe we've all been there at some time, ourselves. One thing after the other seems to go wrong. People around us are feeling hurt and we are both tired and we're doing the best we can for everyone and we are basically told we should be doing better. At some point, all of this, any human would reach probably a breaking point. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. There is a plan and there's things to do. So Jesus needs to move things forward. So where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. They then take Jesus to the place of burial where they have placed Lazarus in the tomb. This brings him close to that breaking point I was talking about. Seeing where his dear brother Lazarus is now buried... There's only so much we can take and there's only so much Jesus and we can still hold it together. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Yep, we all know this is the shortest verse in the Bible but it's also possibly the deepest. A man like Charles Spurgeon spent two weeks of Sundays preaching this one verse. Why is it so important for you and I? Why is it so important for everyone that calls themselves a Christian? Well, see, in Greek mythology, it's a clear understanding that gods are above human beings. They have no feelings. They have no emotions. They're simply gods, and they're above all of that. There is no things that stirs them to anything. We have an emotional and a feeling God. It didn't fit at all in with what they were and that was the problem Paul also may have had in Athens because I just couldn't understand why would a God die? You and I, however, have an emotional and a feeling God. We have a man of sorrow. We have a God that knows suffering. We have a God that is fully man. And we have a father that sent him to be born of a woman and live his life as a man. And that would make him suitable to be the sacrificial lamb. Surely, it says in Isaiah, he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. The sheer fact that Jesus wept makes him human. Jesus, we also know, felt hunger. He felt pain. He had been tempted like we are. He knows how you feel. He knows your innermost emotions. And even then, he never failed. He never faulted. He never sinned. He never went against the Father. That's why he can be the sacrifice that saves you. There are discussions as to why Jesus wept. Of course, we'll never truly know. But we can take some educated guesses. He had certainly felt the sadness close in around him and would have moved him too, as the Bible tells us, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He felt it. Next, Mary and Martha had not grasped the full extent of their stated belief that he was the Son of God and therefore also the Creator God with absolute power over life and death and with an omniscient mind knowing all things, past, present and future. It saddened him to know how weak their faith truly was after all the miracles, all the teaching, three years of it and they still didn't get it. And also the fact that people around him the Jews that was wailing and crying and supporting them, they had no idea. No idea what was going on. Then the Jews said in verse 36, how, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man kept his man from dying? No idea. They too had leveled the charge against him. He should have been there to save Lazarus from all this. The passage speaks to their level of trust based on their own stated knowledge of him being the Son of God. But let's look at the mirror for a minute. Let's look at us. How do we face in this scenario? If I ask you, if you believe Jesus to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer and your God, you will no doubt give me a resounding yes. And so would I for that matter. The test for me at one time when my parents passed away, mainly my mother, I confess, I so dearly, I really wanted them to be with Christ. But I also knew that I had to fully and unconditionally trust the will of God. See, I have no right, and you don't have the right. Mary and Martha had no right to question Jesus. You don't question God in what he does to cast doubt if he had done the right thing. We will always have times when we actually question him, especially when something happens to one our own. Whether I or you, whether we like it or not, there's a time we should be at our strongest. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells it as it is. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. We are strong in Him. So, when you are asked the question, do you believe Jesus to be the resurrection and the life? I hope that you are ready and willing to shout from the rooftops. Yes, I believe everything that you, God, have given me in your Bible, the holy words, and make sure you live as close as possibly can to that stated trust that you have because you have his Holy Spirit making all this truth plain to you each and every time you open the Bible. We have a compassionate God. We have a Christ Jesus that died for us out of compassion because he loves you. We need to love him and trust him. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we come to you to thank you for this passage. However hard it is, Lord, we just pray that it will rest deep in our hearts that we will ponder it in our hearts. That it may be a life-changing time when we read it over and over again. And we know, Lord, as we read your Bible, we may have read it three or four times, but each time we'll learn a bit more. So be with us and bless us, Lord. Open our hearts and minds wide to what we have, that we may change, that we may truly truly trust you for all that we are pray this in jesus name amen